Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He established the earth upon its foundations so that it would not totter forever and ever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they hurried away. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place which you established for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over so that they will not return to cover the earth. He sends forth springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the labor of man so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine which makes man's heart glad so that he may face his glisten with oil and food which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds build their nests and the stork whose home is the fir tree. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the Shephanim. He made the moon for the seasons, and the sun knows the place of its setting. You appoint darkness, and it becomes night, in which all the beasts of the forest prowl about. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. Man goes forth to his work and to his labor until evening. O Lord, how many are your works in wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. There is the sea, great and broad, in which swarms without number animals, both small and great. There are ships moving along, and Leviathan, which you have formed to sport in it. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You hide your face, they are dismayed. You take away your spirit, they expire and return to their dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Good morning. 
So this summer, we are walking through this series on how do we cultivate this life with God that is rich and personal and deep. And we're looking specifically at the question, what kinds of practices and habits and disciplines should we take on that will help us cultivate that kind of life? And right now, we're taking two weeks to look at the practice of enjoying the Sabbath day. And so last week, uh, I gave a, a Bible overview of the Sabbath, kind of Sabbath 101, Sabbath for dummies, if you will, like all of us. And we looked at, at Scripture's overarching themes of the Sabbath day, which was, of course, this day to stop and to rest and to enjoy God. And I focus on two things, that it's a day to rest in order to enjoy God first as creator. It's a day where we remember, God, you're the creator. I'm not. You have things under control. I don't. And so I can stop one day out of seven because the world doesn't need me to keep on spinning because you're the one who keeps the world going. And so I can stop and just be one of your creatures and enjoy the fact that you're the creator and you're in charge and you have my good in mind. So we remember that God is creator. And secondly, we talk about the fact that we stop to remember that God is not only our creator, but he is also our savior that he rescued us. In the Old Testament, he rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He rescues us from sin and the consequences of our sin. And so it means we're no longer slaves. And Sabbath is a day to stop and remember that. We are no longer slaves. We are now children of God. And children don't have to work. Children can play because they, they trust in their parents' goodness and and work for them. And so this is the day to, to rest, to remember God as creator, to remember God as savior. And so I had Arlene read Psalm 104 today because I think that Psalm really sets the right tone for the Sabbath. And I'm not even going to teach through this Psalm today, but it really sets the tone as God is, is the creator of all things, who's firmly in control. And we, we see that in the Psalm. You see him, he sets the earth on its foundations, right? He's got it under control. He has marked out the boundaries for the seas. He has marked out the seasons by the moon and the stars and and he's got it under control and he's this very generous father to all that he's made he richly provides his creatures for everything they need streams right as it says rain for the plants and grass that grows for the cattle plants for us to cultivate wine that gladdens our hearts bread to sustain us all these good gifts. And so verse 24 says it well. How many are your works, O Lord? In, in wisdom you made them all. And Sabbath is a day to stop and remember that. Lord, you created, you are a good, generous Father. How many are your works? And we're, we're going to take a day just to remember that. We sang the song, This is my Father's World, right? And Sabbath is a day to remember, this is my Father's world. There's a lot of broken things going on in the world, but this is my Father's, my Heavenly Father's world, and He's got it under control. So I can stop for a day. I can be one of His kids again. I can enjoy this day. So that was last week. And this week, I want to get really practical. And we're going to get practical with each one of these disciplines. So today, we're going to get really concrete and ask the question, what would it look like? And each one of us is going to have to ask this question. What would it look like for me to engage in the Sabbath? And the question that you're going to have to ask yourself with God is, God, through this series that we're going through, are you inviting me into something maybe new or fresh or deeper? Some deeper experience and enjoyment of the Sabbath. And each one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. But I, I hope that you experience a, an invitation, God's invitation, maybe for you. I've got something 
more and deeper and better for you as it, as it, in regards to the Sabbath command. So I, before I, I go into the practicals, I want to remind you of some things I said last week, which is that there's, there's a lot of freedom and flexibility in how each one of us answers that question, okay? In the Old Covenant with the Israelites, Sabbath was law. It was obligation. It was not a strong suggestion from the Lord. You will observe Sabbath law. My understanding is in the New Covenant, Sabbath does not continue in the same way as law and obligation that we have to do as part of the covenant, But Sabbath remains valid as God's good gift, as part of how he structured the whole creation account and what he did in creation. And and this, this wonderful gift that he has given us, it's not law, it's not obligation, but it remains valid as a good gift. And so each one of us is going to have to answer the question, okay, how is God asking me to steward this gift? What does he have in this for me? And again, there's lots of freedom and flexibility for each one of us to do that in our own ways. And there's a lot of freedom that we need to give one another in how or whether we engage the Sabbath. I was thinking this week of what Paul says in Romans 14 about Christians who do things differently in ways that it's okay to do things differently. And this is what he says, uh, Romans 14. Uh, one person considers one day more sacred than another. He's talking about two believers, two Christians. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Different views on this. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. That's the Lord Jesus. Whoever eats meat, he's also talking about whether you eat certain foods or not. Uh, Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Okay, two principles here. The first is a social one. Paul's saying we need to give each other freedom to navigate this as we each see fit before the Lord. And then the second and deeper principle is this. Every single one of us belongs to the Lord. Okay, if I've put my faith in Jesus Christ, I now belong to him. My life is not my own. My life is his. So each one of us has to do the work of asking Jesus... My life is yours. I belong to you. And as regards this this gift of Sabbath, how would you want me to engage this? Or not engage this? What what would you want? What what would lead to a life that that brings a a fruitful relationship with you, that is fruitful for other people? Would engaging this in a particular way, and in what particular ways, that as I stand before you, how can I do this in a way that's going to honor you and that's going to lead to a fruitful relationship with you and a fruitful life in the world? Each one of us has to go through that conversation with Jesus, and there's freedom and flexibility for us to end up in different places in that, okay? So a little context before I give some suggestions, and that's all they're going to be. All right, so we're going to get real practical today. Um, if you have you know, writing utensils uh, or phones, I would really encourage you to write today. I would encourage you to write every Sunday. Just Let me just say that, okay? I would encourage you to write things down, not just when I'm teaching, but when anybody's teaching. Um, as a learning event, you will retain much more if you are not just staring at me and listening or not listening. But if you are engaging in the text, if you are taking notes of what you're thinking about, um, it's a much better learning environment. So especially on these practical days, I'd encourage you. Um, all right, so here's your calendar, Okay? It's pretty empty right now. Um, most of you in this room, I would, su- would guess, have a five-day work week surrounded by a two-day weekend, right? 
my weekend actually gets split. I take uh, Saturdays and sun, uh, Mondays off. Um, sorry, today is not a Sabbath for me, um, in case you didn't know that. But most of you have a five-day work. Some of you don't have a five-day work week surrounded by a two-day weekend. All that to say, the issue in Sabbath is not that we don't have enough time off. Most of us in our culture, some of us are workaholics, but most of us have two days off. Now, some of us don't take those, but I would say a majority of us have two days off. So the issue is not, do I have the time? The issue is going to be, how can I uh, organize those two days so that one of them is a genuine Sabbath? Okay? There's a difference between a Sabbath day and a day off. And I'll, I want to get into that. So part of this is going to be, how do I want to configure these things so that one of them really is set apart, as God said. Set, make it look different. And the other one maybe looks more similar to the other days, right? We'll get into some of that. Uh, and I just want to acknowledge, you know, everyone has their own issues to work through. Some of you are retired, right? That, that's a, you have to think about this in a very different way. That raises a whole set of questions for you that don't, aren't raised for me. Uh, some of you, like me, have very young children and trying to figure out what a sabbath looks like with very young children has its own issue some of you have children in the junior high and high school range and you're navigating that whole sports and activity thing and you you have a a unique set of circumstances that play into how we navigate sabbath all that say there's all of us have different things that we're going to have to think through and and uh work through all right so i have given you a handout so i want you to take out that handout um called enjoying the sabbath And I'm just going to spend the rest of the time just talking through this. And I would encourage you to just write things as they come to your mind. Uh, I've got two quotes there from Jesus. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. And it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. These very, I think, inviting and proactive ways of viewing the Sabbath rather than just thinking, what can't I do? And I want to structure my thoughts around these four words, stop, rest, delight and contemplate as four Sabbath postures. Uh, I didn't make these up. This actually comes from a book by a guy named Peter Scazzaro. Some of you are probably familiar with his work, Um, but they were really helpful as I thought about Sabbath. And I thought, I think these words kind of are nice anchors to think about certain postures. So all this is, these are not rules. Okay. This is I'm, I'm hoping you, this is a way for you to just start thinking and even dreaming about what would it look like for me to truly enjoy this day of rest that God gives us as, as a gift, all right? So um, I'm sure things I say will trigger ideas that will send you into all sorts of places, and feel free to go down those places and, and note them as we go. All right, so first, of course, Sabbath is about stopping, <laughs> right? The word Sabbath means stop. Yes, right. Cease, desist, stop. That's what the word Sabbath means. So the first thing we do in Sabbath is it's about what we don't do. We stop. First question, what are the things I need to stop doing in order to be freed to enjoy this day? Okay, that's the first question you'd want to ask yourself. So let me suggest, you want to stop all paid work on this day of rest. So no more work emails, uh, no work phone calls, no thinking and strategizing. And, and, and the work that you do for your job, this would be a day to say, no, we're going to stop that. And as I mentioned last week, that, that takes faith for some of us, right? I, I can stop on this day and the company 
will survive without me, right? The deal can happen whether or not I stop or not. It takes an act of faith. For some of you, stopping might take a conversation with your boss or your employees, depending on how your work works. You might have to have an intentional, hey, just so you know, I don't get back to people on Sunday, whatever day it is. And I'm not suggesting a particular day. I would guess Sunday would be the day for most of us. But um, So that might, you might have to have explicit conversations. So you stop all the paid work. And here's the other thing I want to say. You also stop the unpaid work on Sabbath. All right? So think about what's your unpaid work. Bills, laundry, house cleaning, grocery shopping, running errands, working out your your personal finances, okay? Anything that might make it on a to-do list that you don't get paid for, I think Sabbath is the day to scrap the to-do list. No, no to-do lists on Sabbath. This is an open day. I don't have to do any of those things, all right? I think a good question to ask here would simply be, what would I love to not have to do on this day? <laughs> That's a good way. What would I love to not have to do on this day? And, and the answer, of course, is going to be subjective. Work, unpaid work, is, is a subjective thing. Um, for some of you, you might say, I would love to not have to cook one day a week. Just, I don't have to cook. Great. Then find cheap ways to go out on Sabbath and say, I, I'm not going to cook this one day of, of the week. That, that feels like a to-do. I'm not going to do it. Some of you, having extra time to actually prepare a meal is very life-giving to you. It's very restful. And you say, no, I, I want more time to cook a really good meal. Um, you know, it could be, it depends on who you are. Some of you, um, yard work, gardening is a, ha- I mean, most of you don't do yard work, right? You pay for your yard work these days, right? But uh, I have a garden that needs to be kept up. Some of you do. For some of you, that kind of work would feel like, I don't want to have to do that. Then don't do that on that day. Some of you are like, actually, it's great for me to get out in the garden. That's very restorative. So that might be something you do do. Um, those of you who have, yeah, I said it. Those of you who have um, <laughs> young kids like myself, some of you are stay-at-home folks, and you are with your kids all week long. And you say, I would love to not have to take care of my kids on the Sabbath, <laughs> Right? Amen. Uh, you may not be able to get you know, a full 24-hour period of that, but maybe Sabbath is a day where you have conversations as spouses where you know, maybe it's mom. Say, you know, mom gets her two-hour two mommy time on Sabbath. Um, or dad, get, you know, however that works. Like, but you actually say, for me, being with the family, is that's what I do all week long, and that's not restorative for me. I could use a little alone time. So, so you have those conversations as spouses. I need... I need Two hours in the morning, I need two hours in the afternoon just to do whatever I want. And you have to make those, you know, compromises in those conversations. Um, so, but what, what can you stop doing? And then the second question here is how, this is the important one that we don't normally think about with Sabbath. How would I need to arrange my other days, probably your other day off, in order to stop on this day? And what I want to suggest is Sabbath requires advanced planning. Okay? It really does. You may have to say, I'm going to designate this day to do the bills and errands and the cleaning and, and all that so that I can stop on this day. For me, Saturday is, is kind of my Sabbath. It's our family Sabbath. And for me to wake up, and if the house is in disarray, it's hard for me to rest with that. And I'm not a super clean person, but just on a Sabbath, it's nice to have that rest. So I'll go into cleaning mode. I just will. So for me, I'd be better off on Friday night carving out 30 minutes before I go to sleep, just cleaning things, cleaning the kitchen, cleaning the family room so that I can wake up 
and, and not have to do that. Um, so what, there might be things that you would have to kind of take care of, last-minute emails, those kinds of things, so that you can wake up on this day and not have to do any of that. I really do think uh, one of the Sabbath killers, I'll be mentioning Sabbath killers, they're out there. Um, on the Sabbath, a lack of planning and intentionality, I think, is one of the things that just gets in the way of, of really being able to enjoy a Sabbath. You, gotta, you have to work around it so that you can free yourself. All right, so that's the first one, Stop. You with me so far? Okay. Second one, rest. Right, we sang the song. The Sabbath is a day to rest, of course. It's a day to relax. It's a day to slow down and take it easy. So the first question, what activities or inactivities, I don't think that's a word, I made it up, uh, inactivities in the plural, but what activities or inactivities bring true rest and refreshment to my soul? And the key phrase there is true rest and refreshment. What are the things that, that really fill me up, that recharge me, that, that really ground me and being reminded of who I am, of how God has designed me, of what his purposes and plans for me are? But what, what brings true rest and refreshment? Uh, for some of us, that will be sleep, right? The Sabbath is a day to sleep in or to take a nap. Some of us, it'll be getting out in God's creation. Uh, recreation. Uh, actually can be restful in some ways for some of us. Reading, time alone, time with good friends. What for you is truly refreshing to your soul? And again, rest is subjective here, right? Um, Some of you are morning people. Some of you are night people. Uh, I married into that situation. I'm a morning person. So what I want to do on Sabbath is get up and get outside and, or just get up and, and do something the first couple hours. My wife is an evening person, so she wants to sleep in. So what we usually do on Saturday is I usually take the kids for the first hour or so, let her sleep in till 8 or so. Uh, after lunch, I hit just this energy lull, and I really want to take a nap. And so she takes the kids for about an hour, and I take a nap. And that's sort of our, it's become this almost unspoken agreement of how we do Sabbath together. Um, but it's, you know, there's a subjective nature to this. Some of you are introverts. And a Sabbath for you, the rest would be getting time alone, right? Just being able to read a good book or go for a walk on your own. Some of you are extroverts. And so you want to be with those friends that you love. And that's restful and restorative to you. And so you have to kind of think through what, what's actually restorative and restful to me. Um, I would say uh, most of us spend time with people on the Sabbath. Um, this is not scripture at all. But I would ask the question, um, who are those people in our lives who are, who are refreshing people for us to be around? Let's be with them on the Sabbath, okay? And, and Jesus has all sorts of commands about when you throw a party, don't just bring your friends, right? Bring all these people, the people need. And I would say, yes, maybe invite them on other days of the week. Um, <laughs> but maybe Sabbath is a day to say, who are those people that are life-giving? They're not hard. They don't, they're not work for us because we... We need to be committed to those people, too. And, I mean, you've already spent an hour and a half at church on a Sunday where you've had to do a lot of work with people. So maybe Sabbath is a day where you say, who are those people that really refresh us? That's just me talking. I could be wrong on that. But um, we're thinking about... uh, uh, You want to think about what kind of work you do in the other days and how that might inform what rest looks like. Some of you work with your hands. You do, you know, you're you're in construction or you're you're building things. Your work is physical, and so Sabbath might be a day where you, you, you do nothing physical. You say, I just want my body to rest. I'm just going to be lazy, lay around. Um, some of us uh, sit at desks most of the day, most of the week. And for us, what is refreshing actually is I want to get out and get some exercise, do some recreation. Again, 
Very subjective here. But what things bring true rest and refreshment? And then the second question, what can I say no to? I'm going to have to say no to some things in order to be able to say yes to true rest and refreshment. Sometimes we have to say no to good things. Last week I talked about the fear of missing out, right? How much that plagues our culture and how much that leads us to cramming our days full. Sabbath, you're going to feel that fear of missing out. And so the temptation will be to, to cram the day full of activity. So you may need to say no to a couple things to keep that day a little bit less scheduled so that you can actually not miss out on getting true rest that you need for the other six days. Um, I think another thing that I would encourage you to say no to would be, well, at least more than you do, to, to have true refreshment is to say no to technology and entertainment on the Sabbath. I'm not saying like none of it, but it's a tough one, right? But my sense is, the question is, what brings true refreshment to my soul? And that's very different than saying, I'm going to check out for three or four hours in front of the tube and just do something that's kind of mind-numbing, and it actually doesn't refresh me. I'm just so tired that it, it, I just kind of go into this blank checkout place. But there are things that are truly refreshing, and there are things that are just checking out. And so I would encourage you to think outside of entertainment and technology to go, what really actually recharges me? Because those things don't tend to recharge. I'm not saying don't do any of it. I think watching a movie on a Sabbath is a great thing. Watching a game on a Sabbath is a great thing. I'm talking about the the five to six hours that just uh, goes on and on. I I don't think that's particularly helpful for us. So just think, you know, maybe, maybe our technology devices, they need a Sabbath too every once in a while. So give them a Sabbath. Or at least consider giving them more of a Sabbath than we do. All right, number three. This is the one I'm excited to talk about. Delight. Joy. Sabbath is a day for delight. Um, I put on your, uh, I think on your handouts or on your bulletins today, this quote. Uh, I came across this quote, I think in college, and it resonated so much I remembered it uh, for today. I love this. Every morning I wake torn between a desire to save the world and an inclination to savor it. I feel that tension every day. This makes it hard to plan the day. But if we forget to savor the world, what possible reason do we have for saving it? In a way, the savoring must come first. And I feel that this desire to to improve and to help the world, and yet this desire just to savor it and enjoy it. And Sabbath is a day to savor. It's a day to enjoy the world that God has made. So the question is, how can you savor this world that God's made? How can you delight in it? Might be taking a walk. Might be going down to the beach. Might be enjoying a favorite hobby. Playing games. Reading a novel. Eating good food. Drinking good wine. Enjoying candlelight. Listening to good music. Whatever it is, it is a day to savor the world. And this is going to sound strange, but for me, I try to remind myself, this is a day, Dave, to stop trying to be such a good Christian and to just be a human being for a day. (laughs) And depending on how you hear that, you could take me wrong there. (laughs) But it's, you know what, this is a day to remember that we're first and foremost, we're human beings. We're human beings that God created. And part of what it means to be human is we are, we are in this earthly, fleshly, embodied existence. That what God created, he didn't just create these, these spirits that float around in some nebulous space, but he, he created dust and made humans out of them. And he created this place of, of rock and sea and sky and birds and this very tangible, 
you know, space-time place that's physical and tangible and earthy. And when he made it, he didn't go, oh, that was a mistake. He said, no. He looked and he said, oh, this is good. I love what I'm, I love the trees I made. I love the sea that I made. I love, I love these flesh and blood creatures that I made. It's a good thing. And the Bible's invitation is not just to consider and to think and to spiritualize. The biblical invitation is taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a tangible invitation. Taste and see, look and touch and eat and notice how good our Lord is. And what I've come to appreciate in the last couple of years is how often God's grace and his love comes to me through the senses, through the five senses. That his grace is not just some theological concept, which it is that too, but how much I experience his goodness through very tangible and physical expressions. And Sabbath is a day to do that, to delight in God through his goodness. It is to enjoy him through the taste of a good meal or the smell of the rosemary or the lavender in the yard. Or the sight of the ocean for me on a Saturday morning, taking my kids to the the ocean and and the sight of Catalina. The sound of good music, the the touch of the bodies of my three little girls and my wife. It's to, to take all that in and to remember that as human beings, we get to enjoy God's goodness through the five senses. I was thinking of the, uh, the difference between feasting and fasting. Uh, and fasting is another discipline we'll talk about in August, one of the ways we engage in our relationship with God. Uh, but today we're talking about feasting. Uh, this diagram should look very familiar to most of you by now. Um, here's me on the left, there's God, and many of God's good gifts, all the good gifts he gives to us. And what we do in feasting is we experience the gifts that God gives us, a meal, a walk, you name it, whatever it is, and we get to see God and his goodness through the gift, and we get to experience the goodness of God through the gift, right? So on Sabbath, I feast, and I enjoy a good meal, and I don't just enjoy the meal, I actually enjoy God through the meal. God, the taste of this reminds me of of the sweetness of who you are, right? I get to actually enjoy you through this. In fasting, we actually do the opposite. In fasting, we we acknowledge that sometimes God's good gifts can actually become obstacles to God because we can start worshiping the gifts instead of the giver, right? And so what we do in fasting is we do an end around on the gift. And we say, I'm going to intentionally withhold this gift, whether it's food or, or wine or something like that for a time to remind myself that my hope is not in the gift. My hope, Lord, is in you. Right? And that's a valuable discipline. But Sabbath is not a day for fasting. Sabbath is a day for feasting. (laughs) It's a day to enjoy God through his gifts. Uh, Peter Scazzaro says it this way. Sabbath is an invitation to see the invisible in the visible. (laughs) To go to the beach and not just see the visible, but to recognize the goodness of God through the invisible. So the question's here. What people... Places and things bring me joy and delight. And then the important question is not just, I want to be happy, but how can I experience God's goodness through his created gifts? And that question leads me to the final posture of Sabbath, this final word here, contemplate. Of course, Sabbath is a day not just for rest and enjoyment, but it's a day to reflect 
on who God is. It's a day to worship Him and enjoy Him. So the questions I have here, how can this day help me reflect on who God is and what He's done for me? How can this day serve to increase my enjoyment of and faith in God? Many of you, your Sabbath will be Sunday. It's this day. So you already have a good built-in structure in the morning in this service as a time to contemplate and to reflect and to remember and to sing to God and to enjoy Him in, in the context of this service. But of course, we want to we let that flow out into the, the rest of the day. And again, uh, it's going to be subjective in terms of how each one of you does this kind of reflection and contemplation and time with God. But I want to suggest, I think there's some, some, some themes to contemplate on the Sabbath that will be common to us all. And they are, they're the, the, the wonderful themes of Scripture, the themes of God's grace, the themes of God's uh, provision for us, his protection of us, his goodness and his love for his children. It's, it's the reminder that we don't work for God's approval, right? That his grace comes to us apart from our works. And, and I think that's the theme especially that we would contemplate is that, God, your grace comes to me apart from any work I do, apart from earning it, just because of who you are and what you've done in Jesus Christ. I was thinking this week of this great, great gospel truth in Romans 4. Paul says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation, right? We all know what, it, what it's like to work and earn a paycheck. But he's saying that's not how the gospel works. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And there's two types of ways of trying to engage with God. One, you can try to work for it and think you get a wage from him. That's not how God works. The gospel is this. You do not have to work. Just trust in this God who does an amazing thing. He justifies ungodly people. He takes sinners and says, you are righteous. You are perfect in my sight because of what he's done in Jesus Christ. And the gospel is just put your faith in that and you have all of God's approval. You don't have to work for it. And Sabbath is a day to remember that, right? I don't work for this. I don't deserve any of this. I'm, I'm your kid because I'm your kid because of what you have done. One of my favorite poems that I've read to you probably four times now is uh, by a Christian uh, poet named Denise Levertov. And I love this image of resting in God's grace. She says, as, as swimmers dare to lie face to the sky and water bears them up. Okay? Beautiful image. Last, last yesterday I was in the pool with my girls. We were literally doing this. We were trying to float and look up at the, look up at the sky. It's this picture just floating. As hawks rest upon air and air sustains them, so would I learn to attain freefall and float and to Creator Spirit's, the Holy Spirit, just talking about Creator Spirit's deep embrace, knowing no effort earns that all surrounding grace. Sabbath is a day to remember this is my posture with God. God, I don't work for your approval. I have it. I get to rest in it today. I'm not physically working today as a reminder that spiritually I don't work for your approval. I just get to rest. I get to lay back and enjoy. Or as a hawk, I get to be supported by this grace that you give. So Sabbath is a day to remember our identities as kids. Today is a day to play because God loves us because we're his kids. All right? Make sense? So um, hopefully that gives you some food for thought. And again, as I said, each one of us has to make up in our own minds. And there's freedom in this. 
but to have that conversation with Jesus. What would you be inviting me into, if anything, in this? So your mission this week is carve out some space, okay, 30 minutes, carve out some time to work through this. You probably already just worked through most of it in your mind, but actually take some time. Take a, take a pad of paper and, and answer these questions. Uh, if you are married or have family, have a conversation with your family about Sabbath this week. What would it look like for us to really fully embrace and enjoy Sabbath? Does God have something new for our family? And then this week and this next week, experiment. If you haven't done this, take a day this week and try it and experiment. And what I want to say with Sabbath is the same thing with all these disciplines. It is such a beautiful thing when we engage in these. But you need to know, you've got, you, like all the disciplines, you've got to want it. You really do. And whether it's scripture reading, whether it's prayer, whether it's any of these things, you have to be willing to, it's what Mark said earlier, you have to be willing to, to, to commit to it and put the time into it and, and plan it and work it. And it's going to take some experiment. Right? It's going to take five or six months to kind of get into a rhythm that actually works for you. Um, but I would say um, my own testimony and the, the people that I've talked to who, who are intentional with this is that it's well worth the work. It's well worth the thought and the experimentation. So have the conversation and then give it a shot and then keep trying it and make tweaks. There's, the goal is not to find the perfect Sabbath. The goal is just to, to rest and enjoy God. And the fruit will be there. So let me pray for us and then we're going to celebrate communion this morning. Well, Lord, uh, this morning we're so grateful for this fundamental truth that we do not work for you, but you give us life and hope and salvation apart from anything we do, and it's just a gift that we get to receive and rest in. And so I pray that we might rest, even as we celebrate communion, we might be reminded of this great gift. And I pray for each one of us this week. Would your spirit work? And as we think about this and we have conversations about this, inspire those conversations. And, and if you've got something fresh for us in this, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your energy to do this. And so I pray that this would be a, a really fruitful exercise for all of us, that we might ultimately, the purpose is to engage you more fully and to serve you better. So help us do that well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.